Lead Time is a weekly dose of leadership insights and interviews from Tim Allman and Jake Bessling. Lead Time is for any leader living in a busy world looking to be inspired, equipped, and empowered to lead others to their fullest potential. This is Lead Time. Welcome to Lead Time. Hope you are enjoying the different uh, episodes we've had so far. We're looking forward to this one. My name is Jake Bessling. I'm here with Tim Allman. I want you to think for a moment about great basketball teams, uh, baseball teams, maybe growing businesses, and you've read some of their stories, um, or even maybe successful churches that you've looked looked at from afar and said, wow, they, they are successful. And you might think about some of the great leaders within those organizations. You got maybe like Michael Jordan on the court, or you got Bill Hybels as a church pastor, or King David. I mean, these are all great leaders. But do you ever think about what la- makes that leader um, really great. Now, you probably do, and you think about different things that they have this charisma, they have um, good character or not. Um, they have different things that set them apart. But I want you to think, we want you to think after this episode today that some of those great, all of those great leaders had probably really good second chair leaders around them. I mean, think for a moment. Michael Jordan, who do you have, Tim? Scotty Pippen. Oh, that was a great. Watching the Bulls, man. I mean, yes, Michael scored a ton of points, but if you look at um, the different assists that Scotty Pippen had, it's it's off the charts. Scotty Pippen, I mean, he was the Robin of Michael Jordan's Batman. Yeah, baby. Um, the for- fortunate thing um, is that Scotty, uh, never sought to supersede Michael. You know, I wonder, it'd be great to interview him. Maybe we'll have him on the show. Uh, <laughs> uh, what did he feel as he was, you know, a lot of glory was going to Michael Jordan. But when you look back at the team, really, you can think about Scottie Pippen being right there. They don't well. win championships. Exactly. Scottie's on the team. He would have he would have scored a lot of points, been a, been a superstar, but yet not win not won championships. Um, you got Bill Hybels. Uh, he um, saw Willow Creek Church in uh, right outside of Chicago and Barrington uh, grow under his leadership. But you've maybe heard of this author and leader as well, John Ortberg. He hmm. was actually for a period of time at his right hand, um, a right hand man kind of guy. Well, Ortberg went on to be a senior pastor then at, um, and he's currently there, Menlo Church in Menlo Park, California, a uh, Presbyterian church, and it's got over four thousand members. So he was a second chair leader for a long time. Um, so we're going to be talking about second chair leaders today. You have first chair leaders um, and second chair. We're going to define all of that, but let's talk about King David for a moment. I mean, this is the man after God's own heart. He rose from being a shepherd um, in the sheep pen and writing the Psalms out there, um, being anointed early on, and then later going on to be the king of Israel. Um, Pastor Tim, tell us more about what do you think that relationship was? Like, who were the people around David? Did he have a second chair leader uh, or was it just him? Yeah, thanks so much, Jake. Here's the reality, though, before we even get into David's story, is every leader is a second chair leader. If you bend the knee to King Jesus, he's Lord, he is King, and we come underneath him. And I think good leaders, anybody that's in the first chair, you do not ever lead out of pride or position because I say so. So second chair leader, you find a leader like that and you come alongside them um, and you serve on the team with them. And that's that's what we got here. There is no one, myself included, our principal, you, we never lead out of power and position or might or charisma or status. It's all 
always about Jesus first and then and then the team. So King David, uh, uniquely, he was a ruddy, handsome dude. He, he was. was he was also uh, very very gifted, taking out Goliath. And man's man. Man's man, indeed. And he has, and this is what we want you to reflect on, he's got two different unique relationships in 1 Samuel chapter 18. You've got David and Jonathan. So who, are you a Jonathan to someone, or are you a David with a, in need of a Jonathan? And then you've got David and Saul. The jealousy, the envy of, of Saul, of David. And there's two different ways we can go. We're going to look first off, though, at, at Jonathan and David. If you've got your Bible in front of you, you could open it up or on your smartphone. First Samuel 18, verses 1 to 4. The soul of Jonathan, check this out. The soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. I would wow, say by, by God. They're very, very close. Heterosexual, by the way. <laughs> and Jonathan loved him, but check this out. They're close. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him. He had something on underneath and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. What is going on here? Jake, as you see this, do you know what's going on in verse verse 4? What is he saying? And who is Jonathan, by the way? First off, if you don't know the story, he is King Saul's son. Son, yeah. And so his rightful place is what? To become the, the king. And he's saying, I see something in you. And we don't even That's know crazy. if Jonathan knows about the anointing of Samuel. He's not, David's not on the throne yet. And yet, yeah, Jonathan's buddy going to yeah, be king or not? He exactly. That, and he's just—he says, "I see the gifts in you, and so my rightful status, I am going to hand off to you." He recognized that God was going to use David in a mighty, mighty way. We need more of this in the workplace relationship. Um, unfortunately, more workplace relationships are like David and Saul: arrogance, pride. If it's not my idea, it does not pass. And this is what happens to to Saul. And really, his leadership is taken down. God takes him down because of his arrogance and pride. He will not allow, and at this point, David is a second chair leader. He will not allow a strong second chair leader to come up. So 1 Samuel uh, verse, verses 9 through, or 6 through 9 of chapter 18, as they were coming down, when David returned from striking down the Philistine, Goliath, the women, <laughs> we're going to pause right there. The women came out of all the cities of Israel. Everyone loves when the ladies shout your praises, right? So just picture this. The women are coming out and they're singing and dancing to meet King Saul. They're coming to meet King Saul with tambourines and songs of joy. So they, they appreciate the leadership of King Saul and with <laughs> musical instruments. And the women sang, though, but check this out. This is a backhanded compliment right here. And the women sang to one another as they celebrated, Saul has struck down at thousands, and David his tens of thousands. And Saul, verse 8, was very angry. And this saying displeased I would be too. him. Yeah. <laughs> he said, They've ascribed to David ten thousands. To me, they've you can he's whining here. They've ascribed thousands. And what more can he have but the kingdom? So this is all snowballing. He's seeing it coming. He's gonna take my kingdom. And Saul, it closes, verse nine. Ooh. And Saul eyed David from that day on. It's begun the battle. Who are you eyeing Jealousy. right now, leader? Funny, I've seen leaders do this. They become kind of skittish. Instead of rejoicing in the gifts of someone on their team, they become fearful. He's going to take my job. Who's his apprentice? He doesn't even have one. People are going he to applaud him. There's no apprentice want that to happen. right now. He's going to take my job. 
every leader has a timeline. You're in a position for a season. It's the Lord in our in our work. It's the Lord's church. It's not ours. And um, we all know, I think, that it is way better to fan into flame. I mean, no, nobody sits and says, you know, I want to be an arrogant leader, an insecure, fearful leader. Nobody will say that. And yet at the end of the day, I mean, a lot of us are really, really fearful and, in, and insecure. And, I bet uh, Saul had mommy issues or something. I mean, I wonder, what, going I wonder, on his I wonder what sure. his family system was like. But think about the opportunity he had. I mean, he saw David slay the, the giant and he and he was still young. He could have said you know what let's let's have a 10-year secession plan let me let me teach you some things and david i think would have said oh, yeah i don't know on. i don't know a ton of things about anything yeah you know i i know how to trust in the lord and so right. saul would have been benefited from that yep. maybe turn his leadership around to even lead longer yep. um instead of going into battle mode here that's Amen. crazy so, so sad first chair leader find your jonathan and encourage he or she and second chair leader encourage your saul and pray that he doesn't try to kill you, which is what <laughs> happens here. So what does first and second chair leadership really mean to you, Jake, as we transition here? As we started and we look throughout the uh, Word of God, um, we trust in Jesus, right? And so all second chair leaders, it always begins here to say Jesus is always in the first chair. Um, I like on the organizational charts, you have Jesus at the top. Um, it's it's kind of like, oh, uh, duh. But let's say a church didn't have that, an organization didn't have that, um, and there's other things that are quickly going to follow to be the first chair leader. So Jesus is really always at the at the pinnacle and at the top. Um, most of the time, um, yet there are different roles and callings in our church. And so, yes, Jesus is at the top, but then he calls certain people and their giftedness uh, to be the visionary leader to lead from the front, um, per se. So let's define it, though, very yeah. clearly for First, you guys. Chair, sure. First and second chair. First chair, we, we're saying that it's a chief vision caster and cultural monitor. So they're monitoring culture of the organization. How well do we love one another? How well do we love one another? And they're casting vision. And it's not to say that uh, everyone should the be team. speaking into that vision. Right. Like right now at our, at our church, we have these focus groups where we want the whole congregation to speak into the vision. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, um, they have to uh, to, to speak that second chair uh, contribute to the vision right speak into it um, help in sustaining or correcting the culture we're going to talk more about that and um, then execute the vision that has been shared so today we'd like to give you six tips we like the different numbers here six tips for healthy living now six tips for the second chair leader so tim's going to start us off with number one tim what is the first tip for the second chair leadership this is not going to surprise you, but encourage, speak well of, go over the top to encourage your first chair leader. Tim, can I get you anything? Coffee? <laughs> no, I'm good Tim, you're now. a great leader. <laughs> Thank you. You're silly. If he or she is leading like Jesus, that means they are giving, this first chair leader is giving their life away. And if you're giving your life away as a first chair leader, it's not an easy experience and you're going to need support and encouragement. I have never thought of you, Jake, as a second chair leader. We are equals, uh, yet we have different lanes. You don't go to all of our board of directors meetings, um, a lot of the La Mesa leadership meetings. That's because I'm, I'm binge, binge watching Netflix. What's awesome about two, you two, is, laugh. two is always <laughs> better you. than one. You. You're not binge watching Netflix, dude. <laughs> I'm watching the Astros lose last night. Oh, that's sad. Anyway, uh, focus, focus. Sorry, sorry. We are actually. As two leaders here in our in our uh, ministry organization, we are actually rarely in the same place at the same time for the same meetings. Only we're sharing <laughs> exactly. We're sharing responsibilities. Yet it means so much uh, when Jake wants to know about 
my respective lanes and vice versa. We care for one or we keep one another in, in the loop. Let's Second go, let one. me go off on that real fast. Yeah, sure. So like Tim came into our community about five years ago and I had been here before him and for a while, as we talk about second chair leadership, you're you're trying to analyze how you're gifted, how you're wired, and if you're not in a, a tr- if you don't trust that person yet, uh, maybe they're new, uh, maybe you've been there longer and you have more experiences. Even though they're saying the right things, there is a season of time where you might wrestle with: Can I trust them? Um, do they have my best interest? I've seen I've seen this burn me before, mm-hmm. and so it took me a, a, honestly a while, but it was quicker than um than longer when I look back on it that I was able to say I don't need to be at those meetings you know and so at first it's like I want to be in the know and in the know meant I want to be present um but it only lasted I would say 6 months to a year when I was like that's just honestly stupid like why do we uh both high caliber leaders need to be in the same room all the time I trust him um he's not leading out of positional authority um he's not um uh, he's got my back. And so he can speak for me at these meetings. I don't need to be there. What did it do for me as a second chair leader? It freed me up to do a lot of different things that were um, in my wheelhouse. And so he saw it the same way. And so if you're a second chair leader, I pray you have that trust with your other leader um, and that you can do that. And then you can get after the other things um, that that really fill you up and give you a lot of joy. And that's going to be, a, there's the big thing. It's going to be a big benefit for the whole organization that you're not having to be at all of these different meetings. Right. And you can do, go lead the other teams that you That's lead. Right. Yeah. You know, our, our missional uh, efforts multiply when we're when we're working together as a team and trusting one another. And that did take that did take a minute. And I remember meetings right here in my office, dude, where we're talking about. Uh, we kind of came up with that. We, we don't have to be both yeah, at yeah. the same stuff. Very, we actually formalized it, mm-hmm. um, and and that's been to our benefit and ultimately to the benefit of the body of Christ. So second second point, uh, second tip for our second chair leader, Jake. All right, watch your seniors blind spot. Senior doesn't mean old person. It just means first chair leader. So watch your first chair leader blind spots. You know, think about driving along and you're cruising along your favorite song. Uh, maybe it's like Tim, I can only imagine. Uh, maybe it's <laughs> school's out for imagine. summer, you know, or maybe it's oceans and you're just raising your hand <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then oceans. you look in the rearview mirror, you don't see anyone. You even look at your side mirror, you don't see anyone. You start to get over and then honk, right? There was a blind spot. You didn't see that that car coming. Maybe you even crash. I mean, that's that's really really bad. Hope you were okay. Dark. Um, Your first chair senior leader can't always see those blind spots. I was thinking about it, and sometimes they can't see them because you know no one will talk to that first chair leader directly. Because uh, they're maybe afraid, they're fearful, they don't know if it's going to go anywhere. Um, maybe those leaders are kind of even up in the cloud sometimes with mm. their vision casting yep. that they, they haven't really seen those blind spots. Um, you can be a gift to them. You can be the blind spot detector. Yeah. All right, second chair leaders. So what do you do with that info? Uh, keep. So when you learn about a lot of different things in the organization as a tech, second chair leader and you detect the blind spots, sometimes... Um, you got to keep that first chair leader in the loop. And this is like a good you li- say yeah, yeah, I do. So this is a good litmus test of a first chair leader. Can they receive it? Exactly. Or are they defensive? Do they make excuses for it? Do they own it? Yep. 
and and recognize their contribution in whatever the potential crash it could be coming as a second chair leader comes. So yeah, really, really good. Yeah, you, you don't want to hear the first chair leader, and I've never heard this from you, Tim, say, I don't want to hear it. Get out of my office. You know, <laughs> or I, I don't have time for that. No you soup know? for you. No, no, no soup for you. Get out of here. Um, so if you're the first chair leader, uh, if your first chair leader isn't in the loop and they feel what that's how we have that phrase, right? I feel out of the loop. Mm-hmm. Um, why do we keep our first chair leaders um, out of the so loop? So if you're second chair, why do you keep them out of the loop? I think for, for me, I would speak uh, sometimes it, it would have been in the past fear. Uh, you feel like uh, they don't want what you want. Mm. Um, your values you're, you're not, are not the same. Yeah, you're not sure if they're going to like actually receive it, as we just talked about. Uh, time, maybe you're a second chair leader and you get a lot of things done and there's a lot of action um, with you uh, performing and doing certain things, task, and you're like, I ain't got time to tell my first chair leader about that. Now, that's that's really a mistake. So what's the reason to keep them in the loop? It's an easy way. Here's some easy ways to keep your senior in the loop. Yep. The one I found. Email, right? You have a lot of emails. Maybe CC them on things like projects, um, new idea. Not not like we're going to meet for lunch with someone that they don't even meet with or care Thanks. about. Okay? Do that on your own time. But creative visions on email, program um uh, program problems that you need their help with, maybe crabby employees that you lead that are hostile. Culture stuff. Right? Why would you do that? Well, they can know what's going on in your area. So if Pastor Tim's at a board meeting, they're like, you know, what's up with uh, Pastor Jake and this new program he's doing? And if Tim has no, Pastor Tim has uh, no idea, uh, uh, I don't really know what yeah. you're talking about. That's not good for either of you. Now he's going to be blindsided by that and um, it's not going to be favorable to you. So keep them in the loop. Next, keep them in the loop so that they can tell stories. Right? That's right. You do a great job, Pastor Tim, about telling stories about the things that people on your team and us as second chair leaders are working on so that um, we can have corporate buy-in that a lot of different people you interact with hear those stories and then they want to actually invest financially yep. um, with their time, talent, treasure into that mission and vision. So number two, all right, always and forever watch your seniors blind spot. A third one is always speak with one voice. First, second chair leader, always speak with one voice. You meet consistently. You gotta formally be meeting weekly to talk about home life, your goals, etc. Help shape the big vision. Speak into it, second chair leader. This dude or this gal, they need your help. <laughs> Whether they say it or not, they are yearning for it. At least they should. So engage them. Uh, resist your thriving silo. In a church world, it could be that the youth group is going really well, but Mm -hmm. the senior care ministry is really, really struggling. We resist our thriving silo, and we care about the entire second chair leader, care about the entire ministry and organization. Also, avoid triangles. You know what a relational triangle is? It's it's simply gossip. Someone comes to you and says something. You've already spoken about this. Oh, Pastor Jake, someone could say this to you. Oh, Pastor Jake, you're so much kinder than Pastor Tim. That may be true. <laughs> you're so much kinder than Pastor Tim. Your sermons blow me away. Oh, and have you heard about how much... Pastor Timmy didn't reach out to so-and-so when they're in need. Pastor Jake will never say, oh, yeah, okay, tell me more. Instead, no, you invite that member to come speak to me directly. We resist triangles. We never gossip. We practice Matthew 18. Bring it together. And if they are, for one reason or another, sometimes first chair leaders have a little bit of... um, and, and I use this very lightly, but an aura or a, or a presence, and some people may just be intimidated to come and speak to them, then you, second chair leader, please make a way to get into their office, come with them, and allow them to speak the truth in love. And pray that your, your first chair leader receives it. Fourth tip. Before that, what I've really respected about 
this point um, of always speak with one voice, especially with triangles, is that put your second chair leader, put yourself in the first chair leader's position. Um, that how would you feel if that was happening to you? I mean, it's just common sense as far as basic humanity, golden rule. But how would you feel if you were the first chair leader and the second chair leader was hearing stuff and just triangulating you all the time? Mm. We're going to talk later about how divisive that can be. So don't do that. Number four, and let's go through them again. So one, encourage your first chair leader. Uh, Two, watch your senior blind spots. Uh, Three, always speak with one voice. And four, here it is, know your unique gifts. I don't know about you, but sometimes it takes takes some of us a, a while to kind of find like, this is our sweet spot. This is really what I'm good at. Um, everyone in the world, though, is talented, right? You don't have to be a Christian to be talented. There's a lot of people in the world. God has made us all, and he's given us all a measure of talent and giftedness. Um, for Christians, you can think about it as a shape. Rick Warren talks about shape, um, spiritual gift. It's an acronym, spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, passions, and experiences. Um, you're you're shaped. Um and if we look at the role of pastor, I mean, we are Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod um, uh, uh, believers and leaders in that church body. Uh, take it into your own mm-hmm. context, though. Um, but a lot of times in our Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, I would say we kind of pigeonhole pastors. We Tim and I are pastors to certain roles, certain mm-hmm. gifts, and yet we're actually more gifted than these generalized uh, one or two categories. And if you look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 10, there's a book by Alan Hirsch um, called Apest. What does Apest mean? Um, he called some in Ephesians chapter yeah. 4, verse 10, Paul says to be Apest. Apostles. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. So Pastor Tim, what do you think in our church body? I know we're generalizing a little bit here, um, but it, I think we could do it. Um, what are the of those five areas of pastoral ministry? And we're going to say they're pastoral ministry. Sure. He called them to do this to One equip. Op- it's one office. One office to right. equip the works of ministry, to equip other people as well in those, those five-fold giftings. Um, what would you say we kind of train a lot of our pastors in of those five? I mean, hands down, <laughs> it's to be a shepherd and, and teacher. I remember hearing at the seminary, yeah, you're called to care for the flock. It's all good, right? It's all good. But when it comes to being an apostle, and that would be one that maybe oversees other pastors, or one who brings hard words, prophetic words that shape culture, that it's a hard word of law that change the culture according to God's will. And then evangelism, simple evangelism, sharing the love of Jesus with those who do not know him. I don't know that we do a great job as pastors in modeling those gifts. So what should we do as pastors? If we've been trained to be shepherds and teachers, what what should we do? Find folks that have apostolic, prophetic, and evangelical gifts. And everything you need for the work of Christ is within the body of Christ. So, so find them, leader. Find numerous second chair leaders and raise them up, train them up, and send them out, man. That's what we got to do. Yeah, if I look at Apes then and I look at Pastor Tim, I would say that out of those five, uh, he might not, I don't know if he sees this or not, but prophetic is actually big on how I hear him speak. You know, it's a prophetic voice about where the Lutheran church should go. So vision to me is prophetic. This is what we've seen in the past, but this is where we need to to be led to. And Jake has a really good evangelical spirit gift. When I say you're kind, that's kind of what I'm saying is uh, the spirit rests upon you in a certain way that is attractive to those who are outside of outside of the faith. And so you should you should teach people uh, about that. So you guys should, if you're a pastor, 
pastor out there or a second chair leader um, or just a Christian, you know, um, or if you're not a Christian, you want to check this out as well. That'd be amazing. Uh, go to Google and just type in Alan Hirsch, H-I-R-S-C-H, Apest, and you can take a couple tests online uh, to see which giftedness you're kind of leaning toward. Um, another story out of Houston, there was this uh, Lutheran church where um, a guy was called to be the second chair leader, associate pastor in our terminology. And after a while, he was like cranking out a lot of the vision for the church. Hmm. And the senior pastor that was there um, was more of a task-oriented action person getting hmm. stuff done. I realized, I'm kind of struggling. Like, I shouldn't be the senior leader. I don't like to vision. And so those two guys actually switched roles. Wow. And it was a beautiful marriage for a couple of years. And then that, that senior went on to take another call. Huh. Uh, but they just switched roles. Because if you th- think about your life and the different jobs you've served, if your gifts don't line up to maybe that task or that responsibility, you can be so frustrated. Yep. So if you're a second chair leader and you're you're looking, um, uh, you, you do think that you have um, maybe a capacity issue with the current system you're in, and you have a vision that is beyond that and no one's receiving it, yeah, it is okay to, to move on in time yeah. uh, to be able to do that. But the prayer is that at your organization, as I, I'm finding here, thank you, Pastor Tim, and thank you to our board and the different people we work with, is that there is no ceiling. And so you're, you might not be the first chair leader, quote unquote, but yet you are in many of the different areas that you lead. So don't just think that you have to be the guy um, or the gal, um, but you're other, leading a lot of different teams. And if the person above you, um, quote unquote, that's uh, your first year leader, um, is pouring into you, giving you all the resources you need, um, showing you that leaders are learners, there's really no capacity to, to be there for a very long time. One of the responsibilities of first chair leader, to echo what I heard you saying, is to continue to raise the ceiling. Exactly. This is in any organization. As they're faithful with a little, raise it up. Raise it up. Continue to dream with he or she about what is Jesus calling them into? Because when they get kind Mm -hmm. of stuck and they are just bumping up against that, maybe it's an organizational, it's just a power thing, they are soon gone. Yep. And you've... You've got to know this, first chair leader. Replacing solid second chair leaders is way more expensive. Time, talent, and treasure, way more expensive than continuing to just raise raise the ceiling. So get after it. If we can help in any way, let us know. All right, point point number number five, five. get courageous clarity, second chair leader, get courageous clarity on your areas of authority. That's really good. And this kind of goes along with what I just said. A good Mm -hmm. first chair leader will not just assign you tasks. I got this big task list, to-do list. They will assign areas of authority. Could you imagine if I, like, what's your to-do list this week, Jake? Come on, man. They will assign areas of authority with wide boundaries for you to lead. Second chair leader, if you don't have clarity, ask for it. What's your budget? Who is your team? Do you have the resources, trust, and clarity from your first chair leader to execute on your goals? If not, be honest. (laughs) I don't have it. How he or she responds will say a lot about your growth trajectory moving forward. And if you're faithful with a little, they will give you more. They will continue to raise raise the ceiling. So Jake and I both started homeless ministries called uh, The Table, respectively, in Colorado, and then La Mesa here. Early on in pastoral ministry, starting and sustaining these ministries went a long way toward gaining more authority for future endeavors. Also, if you ask for more authority... (laughs) 
second chair leader, get it done. Get her done. Get her done. And trust will wane with the first chair leader if you ask for authority and you fail to execute. So listen to the four disciplines of execution a couple episodes ago. Uh, second chair leader, what you can't do is remain silent if your first chair leader uh, and then moan and groan about him to your other coworkers. The triangle there. Come on, man. Speak to he or she as your first chair leader and get the authority and then execute. Get courageous clarity on your areas of authority and then execute. All right. We're going down the list here, summarizing. Encourage your first chair leader. First tip, watch your senior, your first chair leader's blind side. We had tip number three, always speak with one voice. Know your unique gifts, your lane. Live in that lane. Get courageous clarity on your areas of authority. That's tip number five. And to close it out, tip six is... Take the punches. All right, I'm thinking about this in two different I don't areas. Punch you? I don't punches. Punch. You know, you know okay. softly. No. Okay. Number two would be take. You can see this a lot of different ways, but um, take the punches can mean sucking it up. Mm. I guess to be frank, sucking it up and even taking some things on that the senior will never know about because he trusts you and and mm. um, you can support him in that way. Um, so take it on different tasks, responsibilities, not looking for um, him to even have to encourage those things. But you, uh, because you are what you are, you're a second chair leader, there's certain tasks that you'll have to do um, that he'll never have to do or other people on the team will not have to do. So suck it up, take those punches. Another way, as we've talked about already, um, is to speak in that one voice. And so take the punches of gossip, slander, mm-hmm. ridicule, right. um, challenges that, 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 that some people will go to you with about the senior leader. Um, of course, you're going to tell them to go talk to them, um, but take those punches and speak in one voice. You might also agree with that person that's mm. coming to you. Yeah. Um, the worst possible thing you could do would be agree to their face, honestly, mm-hmm. and then start something against your first chair leader. Mm. That is not your responsibility. If you feel that way, first off, you need to pray about that. Secondly, you need to talk to the first chair leader. Um, and then thirdly, if you just disagree on a big philosophical thing, um, maybe you're looking for a change then and you just don't see the eye. But I, I'm pretty sure after prayer and then talking to the person, you guys could uh, figure that out. So take those punches and um, for for this first chair leader, you know, they have your back in incredible ways. And one way you can have their back is speaking with that one voice and um, taking on some of those things that people are saying and pushing it right back to them. Good, good, yep. good. So let's get real as we close here. Uh, Jake, what would you do? If I were a jerk, and don't say on a podcast if I am. Jake, what would you do? We're going to talk offline. No, no, no. We get along really well. Uh, Jake, what would you do, though, and and tell the second chair leader if they cannot work with a first chair leader? What happens if that first chair leader is honestly like Saul, King Saul, minus hopefully trying to murder you? Exactly. So what what would you say there? So a couple different hits here. Uh, Don't choose a side. So they're in certain situations, you know, people are going to like them more than you or whatever, and then they're going to try to get you to separate. Um, don't choose a side. Um, speak with that one voice. Speak well of them always. That's right. All right, so you disagree or whatever. We've already talked about what you need to do with that, but speak well of them to the community. If you just get to a point where you can't do that, it might be, it might be mm-hmm. time for a change. Mm-hmm. Um, give God, though. Um, your grief, your problems, not other people on the team. I mean, so we were talking to maybe about um, people that were far from you and they, they heard about this vision. I mean, there might be the the, the per- people you lead or that are on the team that are trying to triangulate you. Don't do that. One and thing the- I've said toward that yeah. is crap. Oh, can I? Yeah, yeah. yeah. okay. You can say that. Crap always goes up. Yep. That's, I mean, that's not a biological like it, but truth, yeah, but it, it should. If you've got a problem, it, it goes should. up. It, yep. 
take that to heart. The other one is that, that I found really helpful is, you know, you're in an organization and you're like, who do I actually talk to? You know, there's a lot of stuff that we face that you need to get counsel from or whatever. So find an outside coach slash mentor. Um, I have a guy in, in Texas that I'm really um, jiving with well and enjoying talking to him. And it just is a safe place to get counsel before you'd go to the first chair leader, before you would, you know, make any kind of silly move. The goal of the whole thing really um, is contentment. You know, if you're the second chair, um, you have a choice to stay or to go. Um, and your choice would be contentment. It might just be for a season, but if you pray and you think about having contentment throughout all of it, you could have some of the best possible um, growing opportunities, even with a first chair leader that's really not um, doing things um, like you would want them to, because it's going to tell you that there might be people on your team eventually when you're the first chair leader that feel the same way. And um, so I pray that you would have contentment. Yeah, a couple books that have been helpful to us as we close is uh, one is Difficult Conversations. They just came out with a 10-year anniversary by Douglas Stone, Bruce Patton, and Sheila Heen. And uh, it's a marvelous book. And what I take from it is that in any kind of relationship, there will inevitably be conflict and struggle. In this world, Jesus says you will have trouble. Take heart. Jesus overcome the world. So as you enter into some of those hard conversations with a first chair leader, recognize your contribution to whatever the struggle is. Own it right up front. Own that, yeah. Way to enter into it. You've allowed gossip to enter in. Uh, Own that you have not executed as well as you could and and should have. So just own your contribution and then pray for humility on their end, and you'll come together, and Jesus will lead you to a preferable future. Check out that book, Difficult Conversations. Jake, what is uh, another great read? Read this a couple years ago. It's called Leading from the Second Chair. So, about our topic today serving your church, fulfilling your role, and realizing your dreams. It's by um, Mike. Uh, Bonim and Roger Patterson. I love, he talks about three paradoxes as second chair leaders. You're subordinate, um, but you're also a leader. So mm. it's not like you're just subordinate, but you're also a leader. Um, so you have both of those. Number two, um, deep and wide, right? That's really good. Develop a uh, perspective of the organization that is complete as possible. Um, see the forest and the trees. Isn't that good? Mm-hmm. So see the the far part. Um, but also see just the individualness of it too. So be deep and wide as a leader in the second chair. And third, um, contentment, like I just talked about, and also dreaming. So even in the midst of struggle, be content with what is positive. There's going to be some kind of good, positive stuff going on. Be content with that, but also dreaming about the future, either either for that organization or another one. Pick that book up today. Uh, mention our name, and we'll get no credit, actually. <laughs> so, <laughs> All right, let's summarize these. We'll, we can go back and forth. Uh, maybe you're taking notes um, as you drive. <laughs> Number one, encourage your first chair leader. Number two, watch your first chair leader's blind side. And then three, always speak with one voice. Know your unique gifts and live in those gifts. All right. And then get courageous clarity on your areas of authority. As a, as a second chair leader, absolutely. Get courageous. And then as a second chair leader, do not fear to take the punches. What a joy to have you with us today on Lead Time. And this is Tim and Jake has been here as you fly off into your day. May you find joy today. 
May you laugh more than you normally laugh. May you encourage people passionately. And may you say, this is the day that Jesus has given me. I'm going to rejoice in it. I'm going to be glad in it. Uh, have that positive mindset today, leader, as you as you move about your day. And then go up to your first chair leader if you're a second chair leader and give him a hug <laughs> or, or or not. Maybe Don't just touch a, me. Maybe just a pound. Just Here, a here's pound, a pound, pound, Tim. Pound, there we go. Have a great afternoon, morning, night. Maybe you're in the middle of the night. Listen to this. We, uh, we care about you guys, and thanks for joining us on Lead Time. Peace. See you later. You have been listening to Lead Time with Tim and Jake. Please subscribe at cglchurch.org backslash lead time. Thanks for listening. Tune in next Monday for another episode.